What's up? What's up? In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us, us being Chip Brown and Zay Collier. Zay, what up, dog? What up, dog? How you living? Man, I am living strong. We got a hump day. We got a hump day, which means we're going to check in with our man, John Brown, the two-time Mr. Universe also known as Kane Protein, of course, raised three five-star wide receiver sons, including the star wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know if you saw this, Zay, but uh, they are going to have a special on Friday on NFL Network on Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, man, that's big time. How about that? Yeah, definitely got to check that out. you kidding me? Yeah, man. I mean, uh... All right, so tell me, tell me how your day is going. Tell me what what's a Wednesday like for Zay Collier leading up to our show. Um, you know, just the normal prep, browsing Twitter and social media for any of the latest sports news, and just watching film and taking notes on the opponent this week, which is Kansas, and how Texas matches up with them. And hey, today's a big day for the Hoopers, man. Basketball. The guys are tar- are starting to um, show up at training camp for the NBA, and I want to say in the NCAA, these guys are about to start practicing and stuff very shortly. I want to say October. I don't know for sure, but practice is about to start here for Rodney Terry and this Texas basketball team and for Vic Schaefer and this ladies' uh, horns team, which got some pretty big recruits last week. Uh, yeah, Coach Schaefer, we need to shout him out. He got number nine and number eight in the nation, and he's doing big things. But yeah, it's just a lot of sports going on. It's about to be the MLB playoffs and stuff. This is one of the funnest times of the year. Like when all the sports are like going on right now with the postseason MLB and the NFL and college football is popping and the NBA and college basketball is slowly starting up like this is one of my favorite times of the year and yeah i got a good job to where i could talk about that thing so yeah embracing everything and having a good time and for those of you who don't know zay is uh he is i mean he was all district when he was motivated he was 13 and (laughs) 7 13 points 7 rebounds when he was just kind of you know i'm just uh I'm giving you, you know, I'm giving you the business, but I'm not giving you the full business. It was 10 and five. Yeah. But Zay is the hoopster on the show. You know, I know we, we talk Texas to start. So let's let's talk a little Texas and let's give some love to Vic Schaefer, who uh, opened up his career at Texas with back to back elite eights um, and then lost his uh, his stud forward last year uh Aaliyah Moore to a knee injury um still made the NCAA tournament uh, lost a tough one to Louisville who was probably better than they were seeded in the NCAA tournament last year but can you give me a little more on those two top 10 recruits oh man let me look for or am I am I am I putting you on the spot should we come back to that yeah let's come back to that I guess yeah, let's, let's come back to that just know that Vic Schaefer has two top 10 recruits coming in and the guy is 
he's a recruiting machine. And what I like most about what Vic is doing is he's finding these super talented players who are willing to play hard, play defense, play, pick people up full court, 40 minutes of hell, that whole, you know, defensive pressure, unrelenting pressure. And of course, Rory Harmon um, is, is back point guard, all big 12, you know, stud and, and Texas is kind of the team to beat now in the Big 12 because Baylor has fallen off with Kim Mulkey going down to LSU and winning, uh, winning a natty down there. And Man. did you see her salary, Zay? Oh, it's thick. It's she's, thick getting paid, uh... she's getting paid like the fellas. And I have said that Kim Mulkey could coach a men's team. And right. they'd, they'd win. I don't know how you feel about that. But oh, I'm with it. She have me ready to go. I bet you I'd average more than that 10 and five if she was my coach. Right? Zay? Up. Yeah. Zay? Queen Mulkey, she'd be all over you. Yeah. She'd yeah. be all over you. Yeah, she's tough. She's tough. And, you know, she really embraces. I mean, she's from the boot. So she's a Louisiana girl, you know, winning national championships at Louisiana Tech back in the 80s and stuff. And she fits in perfectly. I mean, she doesn't have to do or fake a Brian Kelly like accent. No, that is as real as it gets. That's where she's. That's where she's from. <laughs> and so she was actually having some medical issues this summer that she got checked out. So I'm glad she's doing better with that. But you mentioned Louisville, the team that beat the Horns last year at the Moody Center to advance to, I want to say, the Sweet 16. They took their best player, Haley Van Liff, and she's one of the best guards in the nation. So along with Angel Reese and Flage Johnson, LSU, they're going to be right there yet again. And, yeah, Coach Kim Mulkey, she has them ladies ready to play every game. And it's been impressive going from Waco to LSU and still winning. Yeah, I mean, that she just – she knows how to dial it up. And so does Vic, you know. Vic, like you just know his team is going to get better as the season goes on and, and they're going to be in the – in the postseason, and now we get to watch Rodney Terry uh, put his own roster together. It's interesting because um, Rodney did a great job recruiting for Chris Beard, right? He helped bring in all the guys who took that team to the Elite Eight last year, what, 12 minutes from the Final Four? Oh, just a, a, so close, but um, now Rodney Terry's the guy. He's putting together the roster. You know Rodney. I yeah. like the roster he's put together. Yeah, me too. Me too. He's got a lot of tough guys in the transfer portal that look like they could come in and contribute immediately, starting with Max Smith. I mean, yo, if you watch – Max. Midcourt Max, and I think that name might have to be changed because the dude has range. The dude has one of the purest jumpers in the nation, and he reminds me a lot of former Sooner Trey Young. Now, he doesn't pass like Trey Young. If he did pass like Trey Young, he wouldn't be at Texas. He'd be in the association. But, you know, the fact that he could get his shot off at any time, it doesn't matter where he is. you got to guard him once the ball is inbounded, and he 
he's going to be a problem, you know, as good as Marcus Carr was last year. I know all Texas fans are wondering who's going to replace the first team all Big 12 player. And I think Max Aismas is the perfect guy to do that. And I think him and Tyrese Hunter, they're going to have to work out some wrinkles early on and just trying to figure out one another. But Tyrese Hunter coming into year two here. Here at Texas, I expect his confidence to be at an all-time high. You know, he went through that little drought last year right when Chris Beard got terminated. And, you know, it was just the team, they took a little bit of a hit, then he picked his game back up. And it's hard. It's basketball. It's hard to find a rhythm, especially when you're not touching the ball all the time. I mean, last year you had Dylan DeSue, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, Serge Jabari Rice. So a lot of folks were out here eating, and it seemed like Tyrese Hunter couldn't really get an offensive rhythm consistently but he was a lot better down the end of the season I think this year he's going to be even better offensively because he's had another year to get in the lab work on his shot work on you know different things to make not only him but this team more productive and you know Ethiopia Horton coming from UCF I think that's big rocket number nine which I don't know if we've seen you know the number six, seven, eight, and nine be rocked. This is the first year you're allowed to wear those numbers in uh, college basketball because refs, for some reason, they can't do 56. I don't know how you do a 56. I don't know when you call uh, foul on guys, whatever. I was a ref one time, so weird stuff like that goes in my mind. <laughs> I, digress, I digress a little bit. But, yeah, Roddy Terry, as you said, Chip, this dude has built a big-time roster that's looking to get back to where they were last year and making some noise very deep in the march. Yeah, yeah. Now we got the Kevin Durant practice court and all kinds of – I mean – that, I don't know, Tito Beverage, I don't know what they call that building. The Tito's, you know, practice facility, the Kevin Durant practice court. But, um, man, they got new facilities. Obviously, the Moody Center, for those who went and saw games there last year, that place is rocking. It is a great atmosphere. It is totally opposite of what they had in the echo chamber known as the Irwin Center because the fans the students are right on top of the court they got they got good acoustics in there and it's loud man yeah bill self is like are they are they cranking up the sound in there are they piping in extra sound yeah 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 that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And we saw last year, the 2023 season, there was a huge home court advantage for the Texas Longhorns. The corral was popping and they built the ultimate facility to in college basketball where you need that home court advantage. Everybody benefits off their home court advantage one way or another. And yeah, it was loud last year. And to go along with how tough that team was, like, you know, the schedule for the Big 12, it just came out, I want to say, yesterday and it's looking nice you know you got Houston twice I hate that for the last year you're in the Big 12 you have to go to Allen Fieldhouse but of course you're gonna have to go to Allen Fieldhouse that is a Kansas team that's probably looking for a little revenge since they lost to the Horns twice last year not only in the Big 12 tournament but 
during the regular season. So they're looking for a little bit of revenge. But, yeah, man, I'm very excited about this year. You know, last year still hurts. I still think Brock Cunningham, who's coming back for another year, I love that. Like, just keep at least keep letting him come back. Keep finding just ways that he's eligible and stuff. This is like his eighth year. I don't know how he's doing it. Like, I get it. COVID was around. But, damn, this dude is milking it. And, yo, he's the ultimate Texas Longhorn. He hustles. He gets after it. I think that sometimes the refs get caught up in some reputation type stuff, which is complete BS. Like, no ref should think like that. But that's just kind of Dennis Rodman dealt with it. Rasheed Wallace dealt with it. Now, Brock's not on that type of level. But I'm just giving you examples of guys who got a lot of reputation fouls during their career based off their nastiness and just kind of how they played on the court. And, you know, you just think about the staff for Rodney Terry. Chappelle does a good job. You know, Ogden there. Just This staff is solid, too. And, yeah, I think they could have another big-time year to where a lot of Horn fans are proud of what they watch all right chip i got vic schaefer's gals all right we got justin justice carlton from katie texas justice yes seven lakes high school and then we got jordan lee from stockton california both eight and nine when it comes to espn and their rankings and yeah y'all got them on uh 24 7 sports i got them at seven and eight so that's huge that's huge. And I've seen Justice Carlton play. I've seen her play. She is physical. She is skilled at 6'2". There's nothing that she can't do on the court. She'd be playing point guard for seven lakes at times. Like, she is very tough. And what's big about getting her in 2025, Chip, the number one player in the nation plays on her AAU team. And this girl is going to be like Tarazi and Paige Beckers and, you know, Cheryl Swoops and Aaliyah Chavez from Lubbock. She is special. 2025. Look out. Aaliyah Chavez is flat out special point guard and she could flat out hoop. So the fact that her and Justice Carlton play on the same AAU team, that definitely means something because when you're getting recruited, you want some familiarity. You know, you want something that you can relate to and something that's comfortable because I know they're going to try to keep her in Lubbock and have her go to Tech, but, you know, Tech hasn't won since Cheryl Swoop. So that's, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, Texas hasn't won in a long time either but still texas has had more success than the lady red raiders over the course of the years and yeah vic schaefer doing a hell of a job here come on man yeah all right so we're gonna talk to our man john brown coming up at 1 30 but uh i spent the morning doing a deep dive into why texas football has been slower starting offensively at home than on the road and it's, it's complicated, but it's complicated with like a multitude of, of things, none of which are great news for Texas fans. Let's start with the fact that uh, Texas has, they've had more pre-snap penalties at home than they've had on the road. They've had five. Uh, including the first very first offensive play of the Wyoming game. They had another first down false start in that game in the first half that helped kill a drive. Um, the red zone offense is a little bit of a problem, Zay. 
they've had 16 trips into opponents' red zone, the 20-yard line, and they've only come away with eight touchdowns. That 50% is third worst in the Big 12, only ahead of Cincinnati and Baylor. And they've come away with six field goals, but they missed one of those red zone field goals last week. As you know, you've been all over burnt orange hair Auburn for missing that 26 yarder. Mm. Then you add in the fact that Texas is only converting 37% of its third downs. And if you go and look at the rice and Wyoming games, um, it was really rough because in the first half of those games, Texas was three of, well, they were three of nine in the first half against um, Rice, and they were 0 of six in the first half against Wyoming. So that's not helping in terms of why Texas is getting off to slow starts at home. Um, And they had three, three and outs against Wyoming in the first half. That's a season high. Like, and they were all in the first half against Wyoming. And Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers, he's been better throwing the football in the first half. Um, Well, he's been better throwing the football on the road than he has at home. Um, In the home games, he is 30 of 51 which is 58.8% for 391 yards, five touchdowns. On the road, he's 42 of 61, which is 10 percentage points higher, 60, almost 69% completion rate on the road for 642 yards and four touchdowns. So they just got to get it going, man. They got to get it going. These are weird stats that – you're better on the road than you are at home in all those areas, pre-snap penalties, red zone offense, third down conversion rate, and your quarterback's completion rate. All four of those things are better on the road than they are at home. But the red zone offense has not been good. Neither has the third down conversion rate. And that's, that's got to get better. And now you've, you come up against Kansas. Kansas has the best third down conversion rate in the country. Now, now you're talking about them going up against the Texas defense and the Texas defense has been filthy. Listen to this and this, this, they need more love for this. Opponents have had 10 trips inside Texas's 20. They've come away with one touchdown, one Three times they've been turned over, including last week's. And that was that McCaffrey touchdown in the first game with Rice. That came real late when all the first and really second teamers were out of the game. And, yeah, it was the fourth quarter. So Garbage time. Garbage time. Low-key. I ain't counting that. Right. So look at how – I mean, people want to know, is this defense – yes – this defense is for real. This defense is legit. Now, they're gonna they're gonna face. You can say, oh well, they didn't. They played a 
you know, Rice, they played a backup quarterback from Wyoming. Jalen Milrow didn't quite know what he was doing yet. Okay. And Baylor had a backup quarterback. Okay. Let's see how, let's see how it looks. Let's see how it looks against Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal and, and against Dylan Gabriel and whatever OU brings to the Cotton Bowl. Because this defense, in my opinion, has got some big old clamps that they're putting on people. And my man T-Sweat right there in the middle, baby. Byron Murphy. You got to be strong right up the middle of your defense. And when you have tackles like Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, a middle linebacker like Jalen Ford, and safeties like Jalen Catalan, Jaron Thompson, well, hell, they're five deep. Keaton Crawford, Michael Taff, Derek Williams. The spine of your defense is legit. And, my God, they're not giving up much on the outside either. Jade Barron, are you kidding me? Yeah. I want to I, – I, I look forward to watching that defense every time it takes the field, man. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you think about some of the deep shot touchdowns that this defense has given up this year, the Mari Nye Black where um, Jalen Milrow drops the ball on the ground and picks it up and throws the touchdown and Nye Black runs the rest in. And then you think about the Jalen Burton, you know, take the top off on Jaron Thompson in the Bama game. And, uh, you know, Monterey Baldwin had a big time catch, which should have been looked at. That was a fumble or incomplete, whatever. That was a weird call. But either way, all those guys, Kansas doesn't have anybody with that speed. Now, they do have big guys, big wide receivers that can go up and get it. So, you know, if you're Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes, you know, those guys who aren't as big as Orion Watts nor Malik Muhammad, those dudes, they've got to be ready for those jump balls, those 50-50s, because they're going to test them. And Kansas, they don't throw very much. Like Jalen Daniels is only averaging 25 attempts a game. So they pick and choose and they want to rely on Daniel Hyshaw and Devin, uh, Devin Neal. Like Devin Neal is good, man. He's five touchdowns right now. Like number four, he can really go. So to what you were just saying, Chip, about this offense for Texas struggling and all those categories that you just named, well, Lance Leipold knows that. So to keep those guys – from having limited attempts like this team Sarks talks about he wants to be in the 70 range when it comes to play calling like you've been in the 50s I want to say the last two weeks so you're not running many plays and this defense they can't be on the field for those very long eight nine ten minute drives like you got to get this team to punt early so we could get the ball back in Quinn Ewers hand so we could get it to all those weapons on the offensive side so I think a lot of those just you know, struggles that you've seen at four games, or especially the two games at home with Rice and Wyoming, I could go to Sark and say, yo, man, you didn't crumble that script up early enough. Like you just said, hey, 
whatever they throw at us, it doesn't matter. We're going to do this because this is the script. And then you come in the presser later that day and you say, well, this is the second time that, you know, they showed us something on film that they didn't apply on the field. Okay, well, Lance Leibold, he's going to try to do the same thing. He's going to try to take away everything that you want to do, especially go for going for those deep shots. You might have to dink and dunk. You might have to have one of those long drives that they did when Jalen Ford got that interception and as good as he is, took it out. He shouldn't have took it out. They were at, what, the five-yard line? But they scored. They scored on that drive. So they got to be patient. Sark has to have faith in running the football. We know that, you know, they're going to try to take away the past. And this team, we've seen the ups and downs when it comes to running the football. But as the game goes on, those horses on the offensive line, they've been wearing down teams, which has allowed Jonathan Brooks to really thrive, even though he got going early against Baylor. Like, I think the running game is starting to look like what it should. And it's still getting better and better. CJ back got his first real run against Waco so more reps you know the better for him and I think if Sark just takes what the defense gives him then they should have no problem scoring on this Kansas defense I mean you know Brian Borland he talked about it in one of his pressers before the season started yo we're not gonna be the liability that we were last year and they got some hitters on that squad we've talked about Logan and we talked about Kobe Bryant like those guys could hit and they got all those transfers for the uh, defensive line 300 pound guys so this is a way more stingy Kansas defense that we've seen in the past, and I don't think they're going to give up over 400 yards on the ground like they did in Lawrence last year. So if Stark, Stark stays patient, if he doesn't get ignorant and, oh, man, we got, you know, Kobe Black in visited or Ryan Wingo visited and say, let me show off, let me show out because Ryan Wingo – Supposed to be taking a trip to Colorado very soon. He's not this week, but his parents said he's going to be taking a trip very soon. So I know a lot of Texas fans are thinking like, man, why hasn't he signed with the burnt orange yet? Or why hasn't he committed with the burnt orange yet? Well, we know what Dion has going up in Boulder. So he's kind of taking his time and he's going to allow himself to be wine and dine. So Sark, don't use that as, oh, I got to show out. I got to, we're throwing the whole game and they're taking away the passing game for Kansas like don't do that take what the defense gives you and if the horns do that then they should be fine do I think it's a 17 point cover no but hey I think they should get the dub and move on this is a trap game even if you say it's not because of who you got next week with your rival both teams looking to get to Arlington so yeah you got to take care of business and the leaders on this team hopefully everybody's mindset is right on Wednesday going into Saturday yeah. Yeah. And people are asking, OK, is this uh, Kyle's asking it is, uh, you know, the the issues in the red zone? Is it uh, coaching or execution? It's both. It's both, you know, and that's this. We talked about this a little bit yesterday that Sark and Quinn Ewers should start to feel their way a lot better you know, they know, they should know after four games, what they're doing well, what Jonathan Brooks does well, what, you know, you've added Gunnar Helm into the mix. Now, you know, you've got JT Sanders, everybody should be getting a feel for what can work in the red zone. We know Texas is, is a big strike. Um, you know, 
They can hit you with explosive plays for touchdowns. They've done that. But man, when you get into the, into that red zone, you got to come away with touchdowns. You can't be coming away with field goals, especially as you're getting into it with, with, um, you know, some better performing offensive teams coming up right now, Kansas, Oklahoma, and, and then you're going to have the, the November stretch where you're taking on TCU, well, K-State and TCU in back-to-back weeks. Um, so it, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see how Texas adjusts coming back from, um, you know, the Baylor game, getting back home, getting in front of their fans. And, Zay, before we bring on our man, uh, John Brown, I talked to my crampologist up in Kansas, there we go. And he says he says it's downright chilly in Kansas today and that he is strongly sensing cramps for the Jayhawks when they get to Uh-oh. this Uh-oh. I know our guy John Brown will tell them, get that diet right. Oh, yeah. Get that diet right, man. Make sure you're eating all the right things so you're ready to go because it's going to be a scorcher on that field on Saturday. It's still September. Like, it might feel, you know, people talking about fall, and I'm starting to see Halloween decorations and stuff like that. No, no, no. It's still September. So, yeah, that heat is still around. It's still Texas. And this is why you do all that preparation in the offseason and, you know, training and just working out, tripping conditioning. Like, this is why you do all of those things, have an afternoon practice so you could be ready for teams that might not be ready because they're not used to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm, uh, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm, 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 I just want everyone to know I'm in touch with the crampologist because I know that, you know, people were like, oh, wow, y'all have a crampologist. Yeah, man, that's what we do around here on Chip and Zay. Yeah. Get you the latest, you know, we get you the latest. That's what it's yeah, all about. Man. So, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for a big game from Jordan Whittington, man. And yeah, I see basketball stuff going on. We'll get. To- to that after John Brown. There was a big trade in the NBA. We'll get to that. But um, Jordan Whittington, like, I'm waiting for that breakout game. He's home. We've been talking about the stick Bevo's Bevo's going to be there. Like, how how is he not an afterthought when you're preparing? Like, if you're Brian Borland, the defensive coordinator for Kansas, like, you're worried about number zero, obviously. You know, his little highlight clip from Baylor is ridiculous. Just all the one-hand snags and yards after catch and his blocking ability, especially on that Quinn Ewers 29-yard run. How do you prepare for number one? Xavier Worthy. Like, he's so much faster than everybody else on the field. Has a little bit of Tyreek Hill in him. Just got to get the ball in his hands. Like, how do you deal with that? And then Adonai Mitchell, like, his ability to take the top off and just moss you and just have ridiculous catches. Like it's very difficult for this these defensive coordinators to scout the horns and realize, okay, what are we stopping today? That's why I think running the football and taking what the defense gives you is huge, man. Like I know you got all those weapons, Sark. I know it's fun to play with all those toys and stuff. Like I get it, but 
it's all, all about winning the game. And this team has done a good job. Sark and this coaching staff, they have done a good job of making adjustments in the second half. You know, like the, the Rice game, it was fairly close before they blew it out and they made the right adjustments in the second half. And then Wyoming, 10-10, and then the score, 21 straight points. So they've had made adjustments to where last year we didn't see that. We didn't see that. They were leading games up by a lot, and then the opposing team would come back, and you're just kind of like, what the hell's going on? So I appreciate that. I appreciate that we're seeing the adjustments, and you got to, you know, salute Sark on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zay's going to have you covered on the uh, the uh, Dame Dollar trade to the Milwaukee Bucks here in a minute. Dame, Dame, don't. Dame gone, but let me tell you what's uh, disappearing quickly is my Olipop. I'm all over it, man. Yeah, I'm, I got the orange. I got the orange squeeze today. This is the the healthy soda. It's got nine grams of uh, of fiber in it, and it's it's good for you. And I love it, man. I'm all over it. I've had the uh, I've had the tropical punch, the uh, the cola. It's all good. It's all good. So get you some, uh, get you some Olipop. And hopefully, uh, it, man, if you love oysters, you love seafood, you need to get to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. That's our man, Jack Allen, Jack Gilmore, who gave you Jack Allen's kitchen uh, and his seafood restaurant is, is Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Of course, happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30 every day of the week. And happy hour all night on Mondays. So that's where you need to uh, go check out Monday Night Football, take your date, have the time of your life. You know what I'm saying? Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Great date night. Great date night. All right. My man, John Brown, says he's having computer issues. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I want to ask him. We need to get his, I guess, his hamsters on his... uh, Conveyor belt are not working uh, as hard today, but I want to ask him about Amon Ra because he had he like played with a steel plate in his shoe so that his toe couldn't bend. Here's here's what uh, so Amon Ra played against Atlanta. He had over 100 yards catching, um, 100 yards receiving. He said. Uh, he came into the game with a toe injury, but he said it was not turf toe, but a bruised bone in his toe. So he played with a steel plate in his shoe so that his toe couldn't bend. How about that action? All right. Yo, that's now, some serious toughness right there, man. That's some serious John toughness. Brown. John Brown. There yeah, he is. He's wearing the hot little I the, I, Hey, I got the biggest light you ever seen in your life over here. I'm still in the dark. <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? What the hell's going on around here? I mean, this light I got is like this ring light is like this big and it's right on me, but it's still dark. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, John Brown, we were just talking about. We got a lot of things to talk to you about today. You're going <laughs> to be featured. You're going to be featured on the NFL Network Friday night. Do you know this? No, I heard something, but I wasn't sure what they, if my friend knew if they were talking about what. What? Yeah, it's a, it's like a special 
Friday night at uh, it's going to be six o'clock your time. Six o'clock. Well, let me write this down, man. Yeah, you got to write this down because NFL Network. They they showed a picture of you as Mr. Universe, <laughs> all oiled up, just muscles everywhere. Okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna look into that. So Friday, six o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Central on NFL Network. Oh, interesting. I they they often come and videotape me and, and my wife and I get confused. I don't know what they're doing it for. So and it's not like they sent out a message going, hey, you're going to be on tomorrow night. So you just, I just don't know. <laughs> well, I, uh, it might be, it might be footage that they've already like taken, you know, cause when uh, they did. I'm not sure. Out. Like I was like last yesterday, I was there filming me again. I go, what's well, it for? When they're going to show it, they go, I don't know, but we just we just keep it. <laughs> was it NFL Films? I think it was, yeah. It, ESPN. <laughs> I think it was. ESPN, I think. Okay. Love it. How do, how do you know, you know? I mean, how do you know? It's, it's, it's out of control. You got people coming, wanting to talk to you all the time. So hit, hit me with the questions you got for me. Okay, so Amon, it was, we've, like, since we last talked to you, he had a, it sounds like he had a toe injury. Yes. And he, it wasn't cramps or anything like that, but he, he had, he ended up wearing a steel plate in his shoe. And then he goes out and catches a hundred yards. Lions beat the Falcons. Come on, man. You know, he has flat feet. And I don't know where that came from. It has to be from my wife's side. Cause I ain't got no flat feet. So. <laughs> That's one thing I may I didn't check good, you know, but he had that problem in high school and he always had to wear inserts, but I think he stopped wearing them or something. He had orthotics specially made for his foot and I think he stopped wearing them for a long time. And I think when he did that in high school, the doctor said, hey, it'll work for, for maybe, I don't know, nine months, but after a while, it's going to start hurting again. So I think he understood that and went back to what he did in high school. Yeah. Hey, talk about like pain tolerance, John. Like, did y'all ever work on anything or did you ever tell him anything? Because, you know, at the end of the day, y'all are tough guys. Hell, you drop I mean, them off at Compton. You, you got to be smart about it, right? Uh, like they always say, there's a difference between hurt and injured, right? Uh, so if he's hurting, he knows the difference, right? Uh, I just, there was nothing that I remember that I did to really teach them how to fight through pain other than I don't want to hear it. You know, don't drink when we train, don't drink water. You can freaking drink spit if you're thirsty, you know? Why do, why do you have to drink water? I mean, you got to walk from here to where the water is. Get out of here. It's your turn. Let's go. You know, we drink some water tomorrow or something, you know? Stuff like that, I always told them, you know, don't, 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 be, don't be soft, you know? So, uh, but I was really surprised he cramped. That's embarrassing that my son's cramping. You know, I'm like, man, didn't I teach you anything? What, but he was, was he cramping or, or was it the toe? I think it was both. But but I, but here's the thing. If he cramped, that concerns me. Yeah. Uh, that means he's dehydrated. If you're dehydrated, oh, of course, it's going to affect something in your body. Maybe your finger, maybe your toe. It's going to affect some dehydration. So that dehydration led to his toe problem. He wouldn't have had that problem 
had he not been dehydrated. But it's interesting that he's dehydrated at home. That that's, that's that means to me he's not uh he's not eating right. Something's going on with his eating, and I I think his sleeping is good, but it's his eating and his water intake and his electrolytes and his sodium intake. Something's off there. And if I was there for a day watching, I would find it real quick. But it's one of those three, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, does he have, does he have a chef? Like, what does it go? Like, what? How does he go about? No, he ain't got no chef. He can't cook. Well, he can cook chicken wings, and that's it. But, uh, <laughs> he ain't got no chef. So, I mean, if he had a chef, I'd be like, "Don't waste money on a chef. What are you doing? You know, it's stupid. You know, I mean, these guys with these chefs, just wasting money. Buy a house. Buy another house with that money, right? Yeah. Uh, so, the team feeds him real good. So I'm assuming he's eating at the facility, and if he's home, he's ordering food out, you know, ordering food to, from outside while he's playing his video game. But he has to make sure he's eating a lot of red meat. I suspect he's not eating a lot of red meat, he's not taking a lot of sodium, and he's not electrolyte light loading, like I explained to you guys once before. You have to load with electrolytes. You can't just take electrolytes the day before the game, because once you start cramping, oh, it's, you're done. You know, you're done for the whole game. It's going to be hard to really perform. So you got to make sure you electrolyte load four days before the event. So like right now, he better be loading on electrolytes. If he hasn't, oh, God. All he told me is, don't worry, Papa. It'll never happen again. All right. <laughs> well, I, I electrolyte loaded, and I won my match play final yesterday. What, what are you, we're doing what? Golf. I mean, okay. Wait, 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 wait. What'd you shoot? I shot 83. That's pretty okay, good. That's, that was pretty good because the guy I played against shot 84. Oh. And I beat him one up on 18. Nice. On 18, part four, part three, with part four. Part five. five. Part five. Well, what'd you do? You, you parted? I parted. I finished. I parted. He bogey? No, he. He parred as well, but I was one up going in. He's so one he up. Had to, okay, good, good, good. He had to beat me. Nice. I parred 15, I parred 16, I parred 17, and nice. I parred 18 to beat him. Nice, nice. There we go. So, you playing from I the just, blues, whites, where? Oh, yeah, I mean whites, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm not playing from the championship still, teams. That's nice. That's a nice round. You know. That's a nice round. You play you play golf, right, JB? Every week. Now you, you I shoot, on average, I shoot my low eighties, and I used to be I used to be a four handicap. Wow! You know, and then I stopped playing. I had kids, and now every now and then I shoot my seventies. But in most cases, right now, I shoot uh, average. If worst round, it'd be 83, 82, somewhere around there. <laughs> and I, but I hate Damn. that. If I'm not in my seventies. I'm pissed. I'm yeah. pissed. We gotta, we gotta get you out. We gotta get you out. I don't. We gotta get you back to Austin. Play some. Uh, play yeah, that would be nice. Golf. You know I what got, I mean? I got, a, I got a real good putter. I almost never miss putts. I never seen a putt I couldn't make. Now you were you, playing. I don't know. You played some round with like Eric Dickerson or something. Yeah, I played with those guys a lot. Yeah, Eric, a lot of those dudes. Yeah, Eric is a good golfer. He is. Yeah, he's a good golfer. They golf all the time. You know. I golf once a week. I don't go to the range like I used to. Before I had kids, I would go to the range like three days a week, and I'll hit like two jumbo buckets of balls. I was like a madman, like, like just like I'm on zoned in. 
and I got good really before one year was completed. I shot in my eighties. Wow. Yeah. I, but I, went to, I went to the range so much. I, Oh man, I was like a madman. Do you take lessons? No, I just taught myself. Wow. <laughs> I just watch guys and go, okay, wait, what's this? What's the deal here? And the guy, one guy taught me, he goes, look, when you play bad, it's usually because your ball went to the left or to the right, right? Or you topped it. I go, yeah. This is okay. At the range, try to hit to the right and to the left on purpose so you can feel right and left in your hands, what the bad shot feels like. So I should always just do that. And I would ask questions to guys that are really good. Hey, what is this? What are you doing? They tell me, and I, I remember, and I just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going until I, I was real good at it. I, mean, I was like, I mean, when I was a four handicap, I was like, I don't care where you took me. I don't care if the slope rating was 34. I still shoot around that, around four over. Wow. Even at a high slope rating. Man, I need John uh, Brown need, working with me on my golf game. But that's because of the right. reps, right? And then I go play with my buddies. And they realized I was better than them. They saw my handicap. They wanted me to give them strokes. I go, I'm not giving you strokes. We're playing man golf, man against man. So when you're at home on the couch watching the game, I like to be at home on the couch watching the game. But no, I'm at the golf range. Guess what? I'm paying money for all those buckets. So will you give me the money back, then I'll give you some strokes. The only reason I'm better than you because you're lazy. And I'm not. And I paid more money to become better. So you want me because of that? You want to punish me? No, we playing man golf. Head up. I love Dude, it, man. That's I what I'm it. talking about. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. is the deal with that? You know, what's that stroke stuff? No, you ain't getting no strokes. No. I'm Mr. Universe, baby. I ain't give you no putts, nothing. <laughs> and on. I have, is, is that good? Well, it ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to ask you about. Mr. Universe, right. and what it takes to qualify to get into that. Like, what do you have to do? Because I know you were in Europe. Take me through why you went to Europe and what. So there's, there's this competition. They have city in every, not, well, not every, but let's say most states in most cities, most counties, they have state-level competition. Like here, we had the Mr. Los Angeles contest. And after that, you you there's a lot of competition, but usually if you want that, you want to go to the Mr. California. You want to Mr. California, now you want to go to the Mr. America. You go to Mr. America, now you want to go to the Mr. Universe, Mr. World, something like that. Even if you were in Boston or wherever or in China, you want Mr. Beijing, now you want to go to the Mr. Universe. So it's, there's, there's steps that you take, and then we all meet it in London at the Mr. Universe contest. Wow. But it's hard work. It's... Uh, it's very hard because there's no there's no coach who's going to call you and say, hey, you didn't come to the gym today. There's no punishment. If you don't come to the gym, you don't work out, you don't eat, there's no punishment. So it's just you. So you have to be super disciplined. When it comes to a contract, let's say there's a supplement company that wants to give you a contract. They like you and they want you to represent their product. Guess what? You got to negotiate that thing. There's no managers, all that stuff. I like to see somebody like Mike Tyson win a heavyweight boxing championship without a trainer. If I had a trainer, oh, God. 
A guy that would come to my house would call me and go, where you at? Oh, man, no one cares. So that's how it works. And then you go to the that particular content, Mr. World, Mr. Olympia, Mr. Universe, whatever it is you wanted to compete in, and you, you, you enter and you, you go for it. If you qualify, you, you can enter and, and see who wins, who loses. So Joe, Joe, Joe Weider, yeah. Joe Weider, he was like the big, you know. Yeah, Joe Weider was a, what a second guy, but he was a big guy because he was smarter than the other guys. He knew how to, to monetize the sport, you know. He, he made it really, really big and made a lot of money for himself. So, yeah, Joe Weider was, uh, there's a lot of steps in that thing people don't realize. Uh, a lot of people don't like Joe Weider. Because, you know, he said he cheated the bodybuilders and did this and did that. I'm not sure he did some things that were probably not the greatest. But my personal experience with him was always good. Now, with his brother out of Canada, that was a different story. <laughs> but with Joe Weider himself, I always had a good uh, a relationship with him, actually. But his brother, he did some crazy stuff, but whatever. Because we got Hey, Dom, what, what, what's the difference now in Mr. Universe and all that to – when you were Mr. Universe and Mr. World and stuff, like Different what's the now, difference? The guys are ugly now. The guys when I was <laughs> beautiful, get ugly. Look, they're 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 doing so many drugs, so many different types of drugs. It it it, it messes their body up, and now it's not bodybuilding. It's it, I call it muscle building. Bodybuilding to me, when I was competing. You know, you had to be born with a certain structure like a ballet dancer. You couldn't be bull-legged. You can't be bull-legged and be a ballet dancer. That ain't going to happen, okay? So just like bodybuilding, if you're bull-legged and you try to bodybuild, I mean, most bull-legged guys, if they got big legs, they they look ugly without the big legs, and then they get big legs that look uglier. <laughs> so I don't understand that. I see, I see people in the gym, like even girls. I see girls in the gym lifting weights, and some of their bodies don't look right, you know, and – they 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 they're kind of overweight, and but today, I think because of Kardashian, girls don't the the girl that's overweight thinks she's not overweight somehow, and she's wearing real tight shorts. I'm like, oh wow, and they're doing squats. I'm like, ooh, you know, if your body is ugly to begin with, you're gonna be ugly if you get stronger, bigger. <laughs> this is how it is. You, it's, so they gotta understand how to tailor workouts to fit their particular physique. If if your if your legs are skinny, work your legs more than your upper body, right? So just kind of look at yourself and kind of sculpture your body. But no one's doing that anymore. They're just lifting weights like, oh wow, wait a minute, what's going on? I never seen so many ugly physiques in my life. <laughs> where'd you get where'd you get the discipline, JB? I mean, no man, I didn't get it from my dad, my mom, my sister, my brothers, my cousins, nobody. I just woke up with it. Really? I, I I never call my like, you know, my dad did a great job, the best he could, you know, and, and my mom, but they never came to one contest to support me. Never one competition. Now, if you ask my mom, she'll say, oh, yeah, we used to go see him. But that ain't true. She's lying. <laughs> they never came to one competition. I always did everything myself. I used to go to competitions when I was a teenager, and I would meet friends on the circuit, and I would meet their parents, and they'll go, hey, how you doing? Because this is my mom and dad. He says, was your mom and dad here? I go, no, they just left. I would lie, you know, because I was embarrassed, you know. I go, no, they just left, you know. 
but <laughs> no one ever came to see me. It was crazy. It's the craziest thing. Wow. But I didn't need nobody. All I needed was myself. Because yeah. you were I complete. Need- your body was complete. Like some guys, their upper body's better than their yeah, legs. No. You, I don't know how you see all that. You got to have a mirror. Oh, like you, oh. you were you got to have a mirror and you need a guy. What do I mean by that? You need one guy in your life to tell you the truth. Because when you walk into the gym, you're working out for a competition, you take your shirt off, you start posing in the mirror and all the guys in the gym Oh, you look good. You look good. You look good. They all tell you that. Hey, how you doing, man? You look good. You look good. <laughs> but it's not true. So you're like, man, do I really look good? Because four weeks before the contest, it's like each bodybuilder becomes blind. They can't see themselves. You can't see it. You, 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 you look in the mirror, and you would think you would see if you're in good shape, but you can't see it. If you're holding too much water, you can't see it. You're holding too much fat. You can't see it. So you need one guy that's going to be in your corner and say, okay, come to me. Let me see. And that guy for me was Dan Block. I went to Dan Block's house. He said, John, you look terrible. Okay, what's wrong? He'll tell me. I'll go back to the gym. Go back to Dan's house. How I look, Dan? You're still not right. You're almost there. And every time I did that, Dan was right. Dan was right. So everybody needs a Dan in their life. (laughs) Hey. Even football players. Hmm. If you're a football player, you need a Dan in your life. You know, maybe your dad and your mom, your friends are telling you you look good, you're doing good, and you're not. How are you going to know? You need one guy in your life that's going to tell you the truth. And I told my sons, I'm your Dan Block. I don't care about the, the five stars, four stars, what they write, that don't mean nothing to me. You come to me, I'll tell you if you, if you suck, if you don't. I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you. So if I tell you you the bomb, you the bomb. I would never lie. So everybody that's out there, you need to find a damn block to be honest with you. Don't say the coaches don't like my son. They're, okay, there are some coaches that don't like your son. That, that does happen. Don't get me wrong. But you got to be honest with your kids or with yourself. Yeah. Did you? Is Dan the one who got you into bodybuilding? No, Dan did. It was a guy named uh, George Karakis. I mean, I was lifting weights because I wanted to get big for football. I was playing football, right? And, and I wanted to get bigger because I was like six, two, no, six feet. I was like 145 pounds, Damn. right? And I'm like, dude, I got to get bigger. So I started lifting weights. Long story short, we went to the park, and there was a guy in the park, saw us in the park. I was like 16 or something like that. And he was really big. And he goes, hey, come here. What do you guys do? He said, ah, we play football. You shouldn't play football. You should bodybuild. You can win Mr. Universe. Trust me, I know. I've seen a lot of physiques. And I go, what? But I go, all right, well. He said, give me your dad's phone number. So I gave my dad's number. He called my dad. My dad go, you want to try it? I go, well, I guess. I don't know. Because when I was little, when I was like eight, nine, ten, people always wanted me to flex. All my friends. When I was a little boy. So I must have been super muscular. didn't know it. But I was like, why do you want me to do that? Just flex your muscles. And everyone would go, wow, look at him. I was like, what do I look like? I didn't understand that, right? And my sons are like that. They're all good physique. I remember four years ago, three and a half, right before Amon. No, four years ago, yeah, Amon was in high school. Osiris, Osiris, Amon was 18, Osiris was 19. We were at Venice Beach. They have a contest there. 
uh, on Labor Day. And we're standing there because I know a lot of guys just saying hi, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was there and all these guys. And I looked at the teenage competition, like, oh my God. I said, I'm oh, sorry, you guys can win this contest. Just get up, get up, going on stage with your, with your, take your pants off. You got underwear on, right? He goes, yeah. So just go up in your underwear. <laughs> and, and just any kind of flexing. You ain't gonna know what you're doing, but I'm looking at your physique. You win by far. I go, dude, come on, please. Just for me. Just, just do it, man. He goes, no, Pop, we don't want to do that. They, they wouldn't do it, but they could have won easy. Wow. Their bodies are perfect from head to toe. Everybody thinks like Amaral's really little until you get up on him. He ain't no little boy. He ain't five nine. He's six feet. And he's he's thick. If you see him in person, you go, Oh, that's a big kid right there. You got to deal with that. It's a lot. He, he looks little, even to me. He looks Yo, five he breaks nine. a lot of tackles, John. He breaks a lot of tackles for a yeah. wide receiver. He's, he's big. If you saw him in person, you go, Wow, he's bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, he ain't nothing five nine. He's six feet. I'm telling you that right now. All right. Well, what's gonna happen tomorrow night? You never Lions. know. I hope they, the Detroit Lions win. I think that uh, I think they will win. Uh, I don't know if Green Bay can handle them. You know, I like what the changes they made on defense. They made some great changes on defense, and if the defense is playing right. Oh, it's, it's oh. And now Sam Laporta, the tight end, is catching balls. That helps Amon out. He needed somebody else as a threat. So I, I think they're going to beat him. I think I think Green Bay. I think it'll be would beat him by two touchdowns, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Like Florida, number one in the division. Both teams two and one. Yeah. yeah. Have you been impressed with this defense for the Lions? I know Chip's no. been impressed, but no. seven sacks, man. Like Desmond Ritter, he couldn't go nowhere. And Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, the no, last game was no question. Yeah. Last game was the best best defense. So uh, we got a lot of good pieces, you know, on the defense. It's just putting it together, right? Putting it together, you know, is a, is a different thing. I'm not a, a defensive coach, but the last game was really good. Aiden Hutchinson, all those guys, man. Brian Branch, he's a monster. Uh, the uh, I think the two D linemen were really good the other day. I forgot their names, but they played real well. So I think I think we'll, we'll be all right. You know, they just got to understand every game, every team in the NFL can beat you. They're all good. Yeah. Look at the Cowboys. Any game thinking, oh, we're going to beat you guys. No. The NFL guys also. They've been, they've been tested. They're professionals. you got to be ready to beat them every given Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. If not, you can lose real easy. You going to the Colorado-USC game? No, it's too far. Colorado It's cold. Oh, that's, oh, I thought that was I thought that was in L.A. That's in Colorado. Oh, no, no, no. If it was in L.A., yeah, I would go, yeah. <laughs> It's in Colorado, yeah. All right. That's going to be uh, right. interesting. I, 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 I love what Dion's doing, but he's like he said, he's not ready. He got, he's like eight players away. He's eight players away, you know. Next year, right? I think this is the worst he's going to look right now. But yeah. Everybody better enjoy it. That's what he said. You better come get me now because this is the worst I'm going to be. This is the worst he's going to be. I guarantee it. He's going to have guys from Alabama, linemen going, man, let's go to Colorado. <laughs> They got Gosh, oh, we meant to ask you, Brandon Baker. He's a five-star offensive lineman from Modern Day. He just committed to Texas. How's Modern Day? Do you follow them at all anymore? Uh, not as much as I used to. I know they're they're doing they're doing good because they they do good because they have a good team. 
if that makes sense. They have a good team. And other schools around the country don't have a good team. Modern day always have good linemen, decent DBs, you know, decent receivers. They have a good team. So, you know, you just they're doing good right now. Uh, and I don't know how good that young man is because I haven't really watched him, but I do know Modern Day has a good team. Even St. John Bosco, they win a lot of games because they have a good team. Other schools may have some better players here and there, but in terms of good team, Modern Day always have a good team. Well, JB, we're going to be watching you on Friday night. On I can't I'm glad you told me. I had no clue. Hey. NFL Network, 6 p.m. I got to check that out. <laughs> yeah, man. I got you covered. They had you posing, How'd you man. Find that out? How'd you find that out? Oh, yeah. How'd you find good. that out? How'd you learn that? I saw it. I watched, I watched that Good Morning Football on NFL Network. And they I had just, like a little promo? Yeah, they had a promo. And they had my picture on there? Oh, yeah. He's, oh, it's Amon talking about you and saying my pops, you know, means everything to me. He helped me. And then they showed a picture of you all oiled up, <laughs> Mr. Universe. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to oh, be man. good. Oh, hey, those were good, good days. Ain't nothing better than being 6'2", 245 pounds, walking into the place to be with 22-inch arms and greased out with a little T-shirt on. Oh, man, the whole room was stopped. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. My goodness, what a specimen of a man. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I wish every man could just walk in one day with 22-inch bombs with veins popping out. And just walk into a restaurant real quiet and don't say nothing. Watch everybody look at you. Man. I mean, what was it like? Okay, we're keeping you way too long. But Germany, you lived in Germany, right? Yeah, all over Europe. You lived all over Europe. Yeah. What was your favorite place? To, so the, the, the Mr. Universe, well, first was the Mr. World in Paris. Keep in mind, I know nothing about Europe. I'm from Compton. I went to Cal State <laughs> Next thing you know. I get a phone call. I'm invited to the Mr. World. So I go to Paris. Get off the airplanes in some foreign land. I'm like, what the hell? Then after that, I went to London for the Mr. Universe. And then when I got off the stage in Paris, I won the Mr. World. Soon as I got off the stage, I had a mob of reporters around me. Everybody wanted me to go to their different countries. We're from Yugoslavia. We're from, we're from here. We're from Holland. Come to our show. Can you do an exhibition? Can you come here? I'm like, whoa. It was, it was overwhelming. And because of that, all the money I was making was out of Europe. So I just hung out in Europe for like 15 years. You know, come home and train for competition and then go back. But because uh, I had to, that's how I made money. That's how I survived. Because back then, you spoke of Joe Weider. Joe Weider had a, was trying to have a, a monopoly on the sport. And back then, a lot of African-Americans couldn't really excel in that sport. For an example, I won the Mr. Universe contest. Now, this is before I was even in Joe Weider's organization. But they banned me from competing or doing seminars in America. So I couldn't make any money, couldn't do nothing in America. There was another, Joe Weider had a magazine called, well, one of his magazines, uh, Muscle and Fitness. And there was some other magazine that was competing against muscle and fitness. One of them was Muscle Digest. And the guy wanted to do a story on me. I said, all right, yeah. So I go, I, I would only do it and let you take pictures of me if you put me on the cover. And the guy goes, all right, let me ask the boss. 
came back and said, no, they don't. They said they won't do that. And I go, there's a guy named Mike Lass. I'll never forget it. I said, Mike, why would they not put me on the cover? I'm the only guy in America that won Mr. Universe. Joe Weider athletes are tied to him in muscle and fitness, so they can't do any re uh, uh, articles in his magazine. I'm the only guy. He goes, you really want me to tell you? I go, yeah. He said, because you're black. I go, what? I thought, you got to be kidding me. What's that matter? He goes, well, that's what they said. I go, okay, well, I'll tell them I ain't doing it. Wow. They came back, okay, we'll put you on the cover. Because in Europe, I'm on the cover of all the magazines. So I don't want to be inside. I want to be on the cover. Right. So yeah. they put me on the cover, and the rest the rest was history. But it was uh, it was a little crazy back then. You know, it's some stuff, but it, it didn't it didn't bother me. And it sounds like when I make this statement, it sounds like the Europeans were not as racist. They're racist, too. You know, so don't let them off the hook. Yeah, you know, I ain't never been to a country where they didn't like me other than uh, Africa. <laughs> Every other country I went to, it was all the same. So when they say, "Oh no, we're not like that," they're lying. Yeah. Trust me, I know. I was there, and they're like, "No, no, no, no. you can't, you can't come to my house. You're not invited to the house. Uh, all this kind of stuff." But it didn't bother me. I didn't care. What would I care about that, right? Well, you found your you found your bride over there. Yeah. So I I I'm a, I was always the kind of guy who did my thing, and if you said something stupid or ridiculous, I just keep pushing because I I was focused on what it was I was trying to achieve. So you got to stay focused in life. Don't lose your focus. I love and, it. Well, boys and girls, you know that if you're a girl. If I had a girl athlete, I would tell her stay away from boys. Cause boys are, yeah, because boys are dream killers. And if I had a boy, stay away from girls. They're dream killers. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch them. Both sides. You got to stay focused. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. Most people can't focus. You know, Amara, he's focused. Equinemius is focused. Osiris is focused. I taught him how to focus, you know. Don't Did get distracted by some madness. His Amon Ra bought a house? Yeah, he bought like five of them. Oh, he's got Damn. five houses. Yeah. Is he like Airbnb and stuff? Or? Look, look, I'm his father. We ain't playing around over here, okay? And I'm telling people, it was very difficult for me to make them who they are as athletes. But a sidebar, the most, impo most uh, important thing to me and, and the thing I'm most proud of is their gentlemen. They're really nice guys. But that aside, my job to teach them how to be athletes is one thing. But now I'm in a new realm. I got to make sure they retain their money. My sons don't know what I know. They haven't been through what I've been through. They can see down the street, but I can see around the corner. We all three know, you know, we wish we would have bought more homes than we bought in our lives. Man, I should have bought that house. I shouldn't have sold that house. All these things. So what we're doing now is this. We're buying properties because we're going to buy, tear down old ones, rebuild apartments. Now, it's going to, we already started this, but we're also going to start a company. If there's athletes, we're not ready now. We need another six months. If there's an athlete out there who's a professional athlete and he wants to retain his wealth, Guess what? He calls us. We identify properties with, for him. 
tell them where to buy and tell them how to do it and not to sell. We'll tell them everything and to help them retain their money. Look, we don't want to tell them we got an apartment building. We're going to all go in halves or one third. No, you're going to buy something. It's going to be yours. You're going to own it by yourself. No one else is going to own it. No one's going to steal from you. No one's going to take your money, but you got to do what we tell you. We'll teach you how to build. We use our crew, teach you how to retain, and your wealth will all exponentially will grow, will grow, right? Because what they're doing now, what are they going to do? Yeah, you, okay, we, we invest in the stock market. We do all this stuff. But what is a guy, a financial advisor, going to come to you and tell you, I'm going to invest your money into whatever, I don't know, some chicken shack or some gold mine or some weird thing or, or put it into stocks, which is good. But in order for them to make money, they got to move your money around. They get money when they trade. So if they don't move your money around, they don't get paid a commission. So they just take all your money. We're saying, look, no, it's your money. This stuff's in your name. No one can steal it. Only thing you can do is lose it by giving it away. We're going to tell you what to do. we we'll give you the guidelines. You follow that, you'll never be broke in your life. All the guys that make money make it in real estate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Emmett Smith was, he was invested in a, in a, uh, like memorabilia and a pager store when he first started. And Troy Aikman said to him, Hey, how do you think Jerry made all his money? See, I don't know. I, so, hey, all right. Right now, you're going to, you're going to educate me, but I'm assuming it's in real estate, but I don't know. How do you make yeah. money? So Emmett said oil and gas and Troy said real estate. See? So I never knew that. Jerry Jones and a guy named Jim Lindsay were buying up all the property, like Frisco, where their headquarters is now. Jerry Jones owns half of Frisco. Shaq and Emmett own, and Dion own a ton of Frisco. And, and that's, they're just banking. Roger Staubach, all his money, real estate. Yeah. So Dude, John, I think I live in an area where Jerry's invested in real estate over here off uh, Anderson Mill in that area. Yeah. He has a couple of places. So that's there. what we're doing right now. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bought a, his before he bought a car. He bought a house. He was yep. using one of my cars. I shipped it to Detroit. He was driving. He didn't care. Everyone yeah. like, when are you going to get a car? He said, I'll be all right. He bought his, he bought his, he bought homes before he bought a car. Smart. So as his father, it's my job to to guide them in the right direction. Again, that's good parenting. So, like in six months or so, we'll be up and running. I, I talked to one guy. It broke my heart. Broke my heart. I won't use his name, but he goes, he just got married, NFL guy, and he played in another on another team for four years. I go, well, did you buy a house out there? He goes, no. Did you buy a house at this other team? He goes, no. You get married? Yeah, I'm getting married. When are you, when are you gonna buy a house? Why didn't you buy property? Because I don't I don't know how to do that. That's what he told me. That broke my heart. So when he said that, I said that's it. We gotta help these guys out. So we're gonna start our own company, and Osiris gonna be running, and with some other guys, you know. But no hanky panky, no no shenanigans. You just look. We're gonna identify the property, tell you what to do. You do it, you'll be set for the rest of your life. Period. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, JB. Yeah. Good for you. Well, listen, 
We'll continue the conversation next week, and we'll be watching you on NFL Network. Oh, God, I can't believe that. I got to go. I got to tune in. Friday night. <laughs> All right. My man, appreciate All right, you. All right. Gain protein. Go to YouTube. Put hey, that's, that's it. Gain protein. If you want to know anything about me, you want to try to get in contact with me, that's the best place to start. At caneprotein.com. C-A-N-E, baby. All right, doggy. All right, JB. Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. I mean, that is gold right there. That's gold right there. Yeah, man. Um, I say, uh, you know, before we uh, go any further, Zay, you want to tell the folks about uh, Cover B Cave? Yep, that's right. Covert Bee Cave. Over a hundred years, the Covert family has been doing it big and selling cars to all the Austin Knights and just natives in the Central Texas area. And they've done a hell of a job doing it. They've been committed to providing customers with high quality selection of pre-owned and new vehicles and the outstanding service and just customer satisfaction is on point at Covert Bee cave go check out the guys on the 42 acres and when it's time to get a whip hey go over b cave they got you covered from gmc cadillac chrysler dodge buick ram and jeep seven wonderful brands that will get you ride and fly in this area and then some for all those long trips if you want to get it for the missus or you want to get it for the mister or you got that sweet 16 kid coming up and they just got their license and they're wondering where am i going to get my new or pre-owned vehicle from well covert b cave will hold it down and shout out to the coverts all around the greater austin area the covert auto group dan covert and the family that takes care of us every saturday when we do the pregame show bucky and bk will be up there and ricky williams will be there friday for the pop-in so check that out at covert b cave nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever let's go let's go all right enlighten and entertain everybody about this uh Damian Lillard, what do you think of it? It's wild, man. It's pretty wild. I mean, this dude, Dame Lillard, is one of the best players I've ever seen. Like, his range is ridiculous. His ability to shoot the ball off the dribble and carry a team. I mean, I know he's in his 30s, 34, maybe around 33, but the dude is as elite as a guard you're going to get in the association. And I know he's been talking about going to Miami, but yeah, the three-team trade, Lillard goes to Milwaukee, Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and Tumani Kamara, they all go to Portland. And then the other team that's involved, which I think this is the team that won the trade, is the Phoenix Suns. They land Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Ken Johnson. So Yusuf Nurkic, that's a huge get for them, especially since DeAndre Ayton is now going to Portland. And with Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker, like that's a very tough squad because, you know, I know Ayton's 
definitely better than Nurkic, but he just doesn't fit. There's something about him. He doesn't have that toughness factor that you want in a center. And, you know, Nurkic, he's not as skilled as Aiton, but as far as toughness goes, yo, this dude is tough as hell. He just has to stay on the court and be healthy. But for Dame Lillard and Giannis playing together in Milwaukee, along with the Aggie alum, Chris Middleton, hey, they're trying to get back to that 2021 fame that they had when they were winning championships and you know drew holiday i've been watching drew holiday since i was 15 years old we're around the same age i remember seeing him at the kingwood classic which was one of the biggest tournaments that i've ever played in and he was shooting the ball from three with his left hand and his right hand super ambidextrous like he is a special guy but you know now he just doesn't bring what Damian Lillard brings. He's a great defender. He's a great leader. And last year, Milwaukee, they underachieved by losing to the eighth seed Miami Heat that went on to the NBA Finals. Now, I think that series would have been a little different if Giannis was healthy the whole series. He missed a couple of games and he was dealing with some type of injury. But yeah, now Drew's gone. You bring Dame Lillard in, him and Giannis, they're probably picked to win the East, along with teams like Miami, as I mentioned, and the Boston Celtics and maybe Philly. And then for the Phoenix Suns, like, yo, those dudes, they're in win-now win mode. Like KD, he ain't messing around. Bradley Beal, he's about to show what he can be on a team that has championship aspirations. And Devin Booker, one of the toughest shooting guards in the league. So, yeah, it's fun. This is the circus that the NBA loves to do and before the season starts. And there's so much drama that comes with it. And it's a blast to follow. So, I don't okay, know does how – Does Dame playing with the Greek freak make them – the team to beat in the East? Um, I would say them in Boston, probably. You know, I Miami, they got rid of a few guys that were on this championship team. Gabe Vincent and Max Shrews, both of those guys left, and they were a huge part. So they're banging on Tyler Hero coming back healthy. He didn't really play much in the postseason because he broke his hand. But, yeah, I would say Boston and Milwaukee are the teams to beat. You know, Celtics bringing in Christoph Porzingis. I know Mavericks fans can't stand him, but that dude as the third option instead of the number two option, that's a huge difference. Huge difference. Like, beforehand and it was him and Luca, and they wanted those guys to be that, you know, just tandem. And that didn't work out the way Luca plays. The ball's always in his hand, so Przingis didn't necessarily get a rhythm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they could play off the ball, so that's going to allow Przingis to be more included in the offense and stuff, even though Brown and Tatum are the best players. But, yeah, I – Chris Middleton being healthy, that's a big deal for Milwaukee. Dame Lillard being healthy, that's big. All those guys are in their 30s now, so it's a little bit different when it comes to recovering. But, yeah, I love it. I, I think both of these trades with Phoenix and Milwaukee, I think they're good. While Portland, they're kind of still in the rebuilding mode, you know, bringing in Drew Holiday and DeAndre Ayton. They're going to be competitive, that's for sure. But, you know, the guys that they drafted this past year, Scoot Henderson, the third number overall pick, and then um, – they got Shannon Sharp, Shaden Sharp, excuse me, Shaden Sharp from Canada. They got a lot of upside and high hopes for him. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a good move. It's a good move all around for all parties. Now the Bucks have both the Lopez twins. 
yeah. Brooke and Robin. Damn, those dudes are old, man. I remember them losing to the Horns in the Sweet 16. What was that, 08? I know. Like, those dudes are old, man. At least in basketball years, they're old. But, jeez. Yeah, they've been around for a while. Yeah, they were – they said, I remember interviewing them at that that NCAA tournament when Texas played them, and they were like, yeah, our parents wanted girls. Damn. I was like, don't admit that. Don't admit yeah, that. That's cold, but I'm, I'm sure they're happy now, both their kids, you know, NBA players. I mean. 15 years later, still yeah, the NBA, both of them. That's tough to beat. That's tough to beat. Yeah. I mean. Those jokers have racked up $100 million bucks. Yeah. And Brooke Lopez especially, like, he's really transformed his game. Like, during those Stanford days, he wasn't a three-point shooter. He was a back-to-the-basket guy, a defender, you know, uh, catch it, turn over my left shoulder, throw up the jump hook. Maybe I'll hit a mid-range jumper every now and then. And then he adapted with where the NBA was going since 08, and that's big men that could step out and shoot the three ball. He's one of the best three-point shooters for a center in the history of the game. Like, that dude is knocked down down and with the spacing like there's gonna be all eyes on Lillard all eyes on Giannis eyes on Chris Middleton Brooke Lopez he's gonna have a field day at that three-point line and I expect him to shoot over 35 percent once again that's probably yeah what uh all right let me uh I gotta I gotta tell y'all about my man Tom McKay and AV consultations because look you want to see John Brown on the NFL Network on Friday at 6? You need to make sure you got him in focus. Okay, let's be honest. McKay is not going to be able to get you that big screen by Friday. But you need to call him. You need to call him. You need to call 255-8678 and make sure that you've got what you need for your man cave, for your media room. Maybe you don't have a man cave and you need a media room because Tom McKay can do all that for you. All you got to do is call 255-8678 because when you make that call from the free consultation to installation, Tom and his crew bring everything to you. They'll come size everything up for you, tell you how, how to hang that big screen, the surround sound, lighting, shades, electronic shades, surveillance. They can do it all. They've put all that into my house three times. Um, three different houses, but um, I've been in Austin a long time. So uh, take it from me, though. They're the best. All you got to do is call 255-8678-AVConsultations.com. Tell them Texas Sports Unfiltered sent you. Um, all right. Get a quick little uh, chip shot in here, Zay. Let's get it. Because... Um, I threw out a little fishing line to Michael Swain of our Kansas site to see if he could jump on with us for a little uh, Jayhawk talk. But I'm going to I'm going to talk about this, you know, these slow starts that Texas has been having at home because this this is goofy to me. It's goofy. Like I I feel more confident that Quinn Ewers is going to light up OU than I do Quinn Ewers lighting up Kansas. And that's ridiculous because 
look, the same cast of characters. This is crazy. Texas and Kansas both have 10 starters back on offense. Both of them do. Now, the one starter Texas doesn't have is Bijan Robinson, but you got Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks breaking tackles, doing what he needs to do, averaging six yards a carry. Looks like he could be a thousand yard rusher for Sark. Sark always says, I always have thousand yard rushers. I got them falling out of my pocket. I got, I got thousand yard rushers in my glove box, in my car, you know, I got them in my fridge. Um, okay. Well, there's Jonathan Brooks and Kansas, their biggest issue. They got 10 starters back on offense. That offense was good last year. Now they brought in these transfer portal guys on defense. Okay. Are those defensive linemen from Colorado State and Minnesota going to be better than the defensive linemen they faced at Alabama? I don't think so. So I don't know what it I don't know what you got to do to trick yourself into thinking, you know, you shouldn't have to trick yourself. You should just go out there, know your game plan, execute, hold each other accountable. I want to see some fast starting offense against Kansas because if that doesn't happen and then they go play OU and it's like it's been on the road where they're clean and Quinn Ewers is completing 69% of his passes on the road and 59% at home makes no sense makes no sense but the nagging issues of bad red zone def- or bad red zone offense Remember, 16 trips inside opponents' red zone, only eight touchdowns, third worst in the Big 12, and 37% conversion rate on third down compared to Kansas, who's number one in the nation at 60, almost 61%. That tells you where things are, are off a little bit. So this is the time. This is where the schedule starts to get interesting. And you've got this win over Alabama. Alabama's fine. They're they're legit. They're going to scheme for Jalen Milrow. That win's going to look good at the end of the year. But now it's time to stack and take down these undefeated teams. Probably going to have game day at the State Fair of Texas. If Texas handles business against Kansas and OU handles business against Iowa State, the whole country will be watching. It's time. It's time for this offense to get it going. So. Yeah. And, you know, they threw a goal line fake Xavier Worthy on Saturday against Baylor. Which, uh, I don't think that's a key to success. <laughs> I'm not with that at all. But, yeah, 8 for 16 in the red zone, that's not good enough. There's just too many weapons to have on the squad for it to be that type of statistic. And I think JT Sanders needs to get involved more. You know, I love what Gunnar Helms bring to the table. He's talked about in the offseason with him and, you know, Jeff Banks saying, hey, this dude does a lot for us. But since we got zero, it's hard for him to get the ball. And now it's showing that he could be productive when the ball's in his hands. He almost had that touchdown before, what was it, the C.J. Baxter run or the um, 
Jonathan Brooks run, I don't remember, but he was close. He was close to getting in the end zone on that pass uh, this past Saturday in Waco. And I expect it to get better. I do. I expect the red zone situations to be a lot better, but that's on start in the play calling. Some of the play calling just been a little suspect. You've seen a couple of penalties when they've get in the red zone to back them up. And, you know, you got to get sixes instead of threes. I mean, this Kansas team, they are going to try to get the ball out of this offense for Texas hands as much as possible. And they're going to try to run it with, um, Highshaw and Devin Neal and Jalen Daniels. That dude, he picks and chooses when he runs. And since he's been injury prone, he definitely is more, you know, cautious with how he runs. He definitely doesn't lower his head like he once did a year ago. And that guy, he's just he's special. He definitely is. And he definitely needs a lot more recognition. And I'm sure. They would love to upset Texas this week so he could get that recognition that a lot of those Jayhawk fans thinks that he deserves. So, yeah, I – oh, man, I hate that stat for the red zone, but at the end of the day, they're 4-0. They've made adjustments. This defense has done their part to where you have a lot of confidence in this game. But, hey, Chip, you're already mentioning OU. Like, how much is that being mentioned for these guys this week? You know, how much are they looking forward to that game? Are people asking them for tickets early? Are people talking to them? Because we got a lot of Dallas natives on this Longhorn team, including Quinn Ewer. So those guys, they can't wait to go back home and dominate OU kind of like they did last year. But the 24th ranked team is coming in the DKR, and they can't wait to ruin on your parade. And they're a solid team, one of the best third down teams in the nation. And they got a lot of good stats going their way for the Jayhawks so yeah Lance Lipoid he's kind of overhearing the conversation listening to his presser because he's been asked a couple of times does that 2021 game have any effect on this one because they came in and beat Texas at home in that overtime victory and he was like no and I hope I don't get that question ever again these are two completely different teams. That was two years ago. Yeah, a couple of our guys were in that game, but it was big for our program. It has nothing to do with this team that we're playing, and that's completely right because this team, Texas squad, they should be pissed off for being embarrassed. A lot of guys on this Texas squad was on that very just, oh, my God, uncomfortable loss at DKR a couple of years ago. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to play for and the championship game every week, that mindset, if the horns keep that mindset, then Kansas shouldn't be a problem. Again, I don't think they're going to cover 17 is a little hefty for me, but um, I still think it could be a double digit win and they could move on and get ready for that team up North. All right. Well, look, looky here, my man, Michael Swain, of fog.net joins us now fog.net of course the kansas site on the 24 7 sports network michael how you doing doing great you guys caught me at a perfect time just got back from our weekly coordinator press conferences so got a lot of stuff to write this afternoon and evening but it should be a, a really fun game on saturday i'm really looking forward to it well, we'll try to help you organize your thoughts by asking you a few questions about these Kansas Jayhawks. So we know Kansas has 10 starters back, like Texas, on offense. 
but the story is this Kansas defense and the the guys they got out of the portal um, who you mentioned the, you know, the, the guys from Minnesota, Austin Booker, Gage keys, the Colorado state defensive tackle, Devin Phillips, the linebacker from Bowling green Brown. So did Leipold just nail it in the portal? How big of an impact are these guys having on changing this Kansas defense to one that's actually competitive? Yeah, I I really do think they've nailed it. And I think you can look at what KU's done through the portal so far. And I think with every program, right, there's going to be hits and misses. And it seems like this batch of transfers that KU has right now have been a bunch of hits. I mean, Chip, if you remember last year watching KU's defensive line go against that Texas offensive line, like it was easy for Texas, right? And it's why they ran all over the KU defense and put up 50-something points. Now, this year, what KU's done is they've really used the graduation of three defensive tackles and then two of their defensive ends. And they basically used that opportunity to really re-up and go get guys that actually fit the scheme where those guys previously were recruited for less miles, where they're running a three-man front, different scheme. And now it's a defense where it's one gap, it's a four-man front, just go get upfield and create distortion. And that's exactly what a lot of these guys have been doing. I've been really impressed mostly with Devin Phillips. You know, a guy coming from Colorado State, you don't know how they're going to be able to manage the physicality in the Power 5 level week to week. And he's been stellar. He's probably the unsung hero of KU's defense where he's 6'2", 325 pounds. Um, I'm sure Texas has this too, but like, you know, KU has the, the GPS units on the players during practice and they track explosive movements. And he's the most explosive player on the team in terms of consistently being able to get off the ball and do it again and again and again. And so I think you look at just the improved athleticism for this defensive line and it's opened up so much for the rest of the team where now those linebackers, last year they had to tackle in space, right? I remember Bijan Robinson just shaking. I think it was maybe Rich Miller and making him look like it was one, one of us out there trying to tackle him. And now these guys have you know, the ability to go – these linebackers aren't having to tackle in space. When they go and tackle, there's like a defensive tackle here and then there's a, a linebacker here, and there's really not a lot of space for those running backs to go. And so I think overall this defensive line is really kind of unlocked, I think, the rest of the defense where the secondary, they've got all their starters back, basically all their reserves back, and those guys are playing faster now. That's why they're creating so much havoc on defense, right? One in every four plays is basically a tackle for loss, a forced fumble, an interception, or a pass breakup. Like they've done a, such a good job of just creating havoc. And I think it really does go to that defensive line and what they're able to do in the portal and developing some of the guys they had in the program. Yeah, Michael, that hit by Kobe Bryant on Saturday was one of the hardest hits I've seen all season. An absolute D cleaner. The Horns have to watch out for guys like him. But uh, let's talk about y'all's quarterback, Jalen Daniels. Mm. That dude doesn't get enough credit that I think he deserves. I mean, everybody wants to talk about all these quarterbacks out West and the Pac-12 and stuff and Quinn Ewers about his hype of being a first-round draft pick and yada, yada, yada. But Jalen Daniels, hey, people forget that dude was picked to be Big 12 player of the year preseason for a reason like that dude can really go and he's definitely the head of this offense what does he bring to the table and what have you seen this year that maybe you didn't see last year yeah I think when you look at Jalen it's probably different than the guys you mentioned right where I think those guys 
are very much viewed as NFL quarterbacks, right? Guys that are going to go play on Sundays, make a lot of plays on Sundays. Look, I don't know if Jalen Daniels is going to be that type of guy. The, the height maybe isn't there, but in terms of being a really good college quarterback, that's exactly what Jalen Daniels is. And I, I love the dual threat ability that he brings. You know, KU's got another quarterback, Jason Bean, who's played a lot of football. And he's really athletic too, but when it comes to the run game, he doesn't maybe take it on himself to pull the ball on a read option and go run it between the tackles. I think that's what Jalen Daniels does that really unlocks this KU offense where so much of it is side to side motion, who's moving somewhere. And then all of a sudden Jalen takes the ball and he's running right between the tackles, right at the linebackers who are looking, you know, to the sidelines. And so, so much of what Jalen allows KU to do is just unlock kind of that multiplicity that this coaching staff really wants. And, I look in terms of improvement from last season, I think his arm's gotten stronger. And I think the separation of his shoulder and the rehab he had to do in the off season of really working to get stronger in his upper body has really allowed him to just unlock even more of the arm potential that he had where last year he made a lot of really impressive throws. But I mean, if you go back and watch that Illinois game, there's one play where he's rolling to his left and just all of a sudden just flicks it with his arm. And it's all arm. There's not set, right? He's not generating power from his legs. It's all arm. And he throws it on a rope 30 yards downfield to a receiver where only the receiver can catch it. And that's the type of play now that I think you're seeing Jalen make and the game slowing down for him, where I think at this point in time, he understands it, right? When he's extending plays, he understands where the reads are. And I think it's really allowed him to just kind of take that next step where you see him play with a lot of confidence and you see the team and the offense play with a lot of confidence because they know they've got a dude back there. Yeah. Michael was, you know, I think back to two years ago and Mm -hmm. Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal caused havoc all over the place in the 57, 56 overtime win. Then I think to last year's game in Lawrence and, the Texas defense just had them under wraps. Um, yeah. They didn't score until late in the third quarter. Was Jalen Daniels hurt in that game? I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses, but like how is the whole offense different or better, you know, taking on this Texas team than the one that played last year? Yeah. So that game last year was Jalen's first game back after separating his shoulder. And, you know, in hindsight, right separated shoulders pretty serious and the fact that he's back out playing i think it was five weeks later is pretty impressive and so that was not a full strength jalen daniels and that was something we talked to him today was just hey like a what do you remember about that 2021 game right because that was his coming out party and then what do you remember about last year's game and he got like you could tell he was like i do not want to talk about last year's game because i think he's frustrated with himself that they've gone over the tape this week right and they've looked a lot more at what happened last year much rather than 2021 and I think for him he sees a lot of throws there that he knows he can make today that he didn't make that day just because the sharpness wasn't there so I think Texas still is going to give KU a whole lot of issues right this is the most athletic team KU will have gone against the most physical team KU will have gone against they've just got dudes and it's going to be a really really big challenge for this offense and they are going to need Jalen to be at his best they're going to need Devin Neal to be at his best to really help KU try and control the clock limit possessions I think in an ideal world KU'd want four possessions per half and just have that be it and minimize any sort of damage that that Texas offense can do and really try and maximize the drives and the opportunities that they get but I think when Jalen right now he is playing closer to his best and 
I think honestly his best is still yet to come because he's not put together a complete showing just yet. Yeah. What has Lance Leipold brought to the table? I mean, it's the first time that KU's been 4-0 in back-to-back seasons since, what, 1914 or something like that? Something crazy. I thought that was yeah. astounding, Michael. And then, you know, just the calm confidence that Lance Leipold brings to the table. Like, you could definitely tell that dude's the northerner because I was watching the interview with him and my wife. She has a lot of family from Minnesota. She was like, oh, he's from <laughs> I was like, yeah, Wisconsin guy. But, you know, coming from Wisconsin Whitewater, you didn't know if it would be able to translate. And he's brought in good guys like Andy Kolonicki and Brian Borland for his coordinators and stuff. And it seems to just fit Lawrence. Yeah, it does. And I think he's very organized and he wants to know everything that is going on in his program, everything that's going on around his program. And I think it's the type of attention to detail that Kansas just hasn't had in the head football coach. Maybe since Mark Mangino, you know, Les Miles certainly didn't have it. David Beatty was in over his head. Like you go through all the coaches and I don't think they had that same exact day-to-day mindset of I'm going to focus on everything, having that CEO mindset. I think that's something that's talked a lot about now in modern college football with everything going on. I think he's able to take a really broad picture of the program and understand what the team needs from him on every day. And that's different, right? There are some days where he's going to need to be more player driven. Some days where he's going to need to be donor driven. And I think it's the ability to manage all of those things. And he wants to win, right? You don't go win several national championships as a division three head coach without having that desire for improvement. And I think it's just the perfect thing for this program where even last year after the, the five and zero start, like if you listen to Lance talk, it was, well, like, we're not done. Like, we need to go continue to win games. Like, we're not satisfied. And it, I think this is probably a good instance, right? I asked him on um, Monday, what are your members of the 2021 game, right? I think kind of your general press conference question. He's like, I don't want to talk about 2021. I hope this is the last time I have to talk about it all week. Like, I think that's a perfect insight to who he is, right? Cool. Yeah, they won the game in 2021. That doesn't mean anything right now. Right. And so I think it's just all these different mindsets and the way he approaches things day to day that just Kansas hasn't had. And I think the staff continuity has been big. Right. He's got several staff members that have been with him for a long time. I mean, Brian Borland had to miss the season opener for a medical procedure. It was the first time in, I believe, 19 years that he and Lance weren't on the sideline coaching together in the same game. Like there's just so much continuity here with the staff and in modern day college football, I think that's really, really important to have that continuity where everyone understands each other, how they all work and so they can really operate at a high level. So how do you think this one plays out, Michael? I think KU's going to need a lot of things to go their way to, uh, to win this game. This is one to me where I think if KU is able to keep it within a score, two scores. I think that I, you, I think you ask KU fans, right. They want to win, of course, but if they can keep it respectable, I think that'd be pretty big. And that's not how KU is going to think about this game, right? They're going to go into Austin really wanting to win, but this is going to be a really tough challenge. I think everything that Texas offers is just such a huge challenge where you need to be at your best. KU's offensive line can't have any penalties that negate drives. KU's defensive line can't miss assignments. The linebackers can't miss tackles. This is the type of Texas team that if you make mental mistakes, they're going to punish you, and they'll punish you to the fullest extent because Xavier Worthy, if you make a mistake, he's going to find himself in the end zone. 
because Quinn Ewers is that good. You look at the defense, right? If you have your eyes in the wrong spot, one of the guys off the edge is going to come blow up Jalen Daniels. Like this is going to be a really, really hard game for Kansas and, you know, a path to victory. I mean, I'd say they got to force two turnovers. They've got to at least get a couple stops per half and really execute their offensive game plan to the maximum, keep the total amount of possessions low, and then really just hope that it's kind of one of those off days for that Texas defense where those guys aren't flying around at full speed. Cause if they are, I mean, it's a type of defense. I don't think Katie's played maybe since Leipold got to KU. Like that's how talented this Texas team is in my opinion. Well, we got to ask you a basketball question because <laughs> Arterio Morris left Texas for Kansas and now he's su- suspended. And yeah. do you think, do you think he's back or do you think that relationship is over? I think I, I'd be pretty shocked if he ever plays for Kansas. I just, everything about it. Look, I, I've kept my opinions to myself because it doesn't matter, but like taking someone with his situation, it, it's Kansas basketball. There's no need to take that sort of character risk in terms of the overall branding. Cause look, with the current landscape of college basketball, there's a very real possibility that KU can be the premier program right? Duke is going through a transition with, you know, Coach K gone. North Carolina has been up and down, you know, UCLA, West Coast, that's harder for people to watch. Like there's a real possibility that Kansas can be the premier program in college basketball, but you can't do stuff like this, right? I think that's kind of my opinion of it. It, Taking someone like that with that sort of characteristic is just not ideal and not something that they should have done. And now that there's more allegations, right? It's just, it's a, it's bad to see. Cause I mean, someone there's potential, someone was hurt by this. And that for me is probably the most upsetting part and why I just think they've got to cut ties and he can't play for Kansas. That just can't happen. Yeah. He's been in a lot of trouble off the court and he had his problems before he got to Texas and he left Texas and you just mentioned his problems, Michael. I mean, he's a Dallas kid, so I want him to do well, but he just can't yeah. get out of his own way. It seems like. Yeah, 100%, right? And that's the thing, too. You hope that he's able to get the help he needs to fix whatever issues he has in his own personal life. And I really do hope he's able to get that help because, you know, obviously talented basketball player, but you got to worry about the human side of this, too. And, you know, you just don't want other people to get hurt. How good is this Kansas basketball team going to be? I mean, they hit they hit the lottery, it seems, in the portal. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to be really good. I think – Hunter Dickinson's going to be the real deal, but I think fans are going to look at the roster when KU KU doesn't go to Austin, do they? I hate no. this new schedule. Texas goes to Lawrence. I hate the schedule. So when Texas fans look at that starting lineup, they're going to see Kevin McCuller, and, and they're going to think, wait, more Kevin McCuller? And he's going to be the leader of this team. KU just did their kind of week-long preseason boot camp, and it sounds like, like this will be a Kevin McCuller-led team. Hunter Dickinson might be the best player on the team. He might get the All-American nods, but the leader of this team is going to be Kevin McCullough. And I think you just look at the the core and what wins in college basketball. It's experience. It's guys that are veterans, and they've got that, right? DeWan Harris has won a national title. Kevin McCullough has been around for a long time. K.J. Adams is a mature individual. And then you've got Hunter Dickinson, who did a fair amount of winning at Michigan, but now wants to win at the highest level and will do anything to win. So, it's the type of team that I can see Bill Self really fine-tuning into a, a dominant team kind of at season's end. I think there will be some growing pains. I think depth could be an issue. 
you know, there's a real possibility they could play this season with about 10 scholarship guys actually playing, like being available. They might redshirt a couple guys. So I think if they can stay healthy, like this is a team that should be able to win the Big 12 and should be able to compete for a national title. Yeah, Michael, y'all do like coming to Austin and plucking players. Y'all got Caden Kubeka from Westlake on the football yeah. team wide receiver. You just mentioned KJ Adams. He went to Austin Westlake yeah, too. That still hurts me. I remember watching him in high school, like dropping 30 and 20 and thinking, okay, Shaka Smart, we got to do something. Let's get this guy. And you can never bring him in. And but when Bill Self comes knocking on your door, it's hard to shut it. So I get that. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Keaton, too. It sounds like he might play on Saturday. That's something that, um, as a true freshman, he's come in and, and really, really impressed people in Lawrence. You know, it's hard to play for this Kansas offense. It's so complex. It's so experienced that to be a true freshman who wasn't even an early enrollee, he got there in June, and wow. he got his first offensive snaps against BYU. He's been playing on all this, or several special teams units like He'll play on Saturday. It's just a question of is he going to get snaps on offense? And look, guys, I was looking at the the temperatures. Not a huge fan of what I'm seeing about what it's going to look like <laughs> on Saturday. So I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of rotation on offense. And I think there's a good chance, you know, people could see the the Austin native Keaton Quebec getting some snaps. Well. Michael, man, we appreciate it. We appreciate you uh, taking a little time for us, giving us the uh, the breakdown on the Jayhawks, and we'll see you Saturday. Awesome. I love it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, right. Michael. There he is, Michael SwainFog.net. Uh, and before we get to the right call with my man, Zay Collier, um, listen, great blue heron furniture. Get to know the name because it is custom leather furniture at its finest. I mean, it is the heavy leathers, hides, fabrics, ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouse. And it is beautiful, custom, quality furniture that is going to last you decades. It is not the typical furniture you're going to go grab at a box store. This is the sturdiest, best built, best looking, best materials you'll ever find. And we have our own Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. That's right. You uh, you use the promo code HOOKEM and you're going to get 15% off your purchase. Um, if you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last, look no further than Great Blue Heron Furniture. And uh, click the link, right? Uh, there's a link in the YouTube video description below that takes you to our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. Just click that link for more info or call 866-247-9688. Great Blue Heron Furniture. All right, kids. It is time. It is time for the right call. With my man, Zay Collier. Yeah, let's get it. Ten more minutes to fire the cannon. The ladies come on to take our place. But, yeah, yesterday, Chip, we talked about Joe Namath and his comments about his New York Jets and his disgruntlement with Zach Wilson. 
and just the struggles that he has had. We know Zach Wilson thrown into the lineup when Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. So Zach Wilson, he's in a very tough situation, especially with all the optimism that the New York Jets had coming into this season. Well, it's only getting worse for old Zach because this defense is starting to become very uneasy with their head coach, Robert Sala, and his faithfulness to the backup now starting quarterback risk of losing the locker room was told by rich semi and yeah man a lot of guys aren't happy apparently people are ready to implode and it seems like robert sala is still kind of optimistic on zach wilson and what he can bring to the table now it's only week four we're coming up on but zach wilson these last two games he's really struggled and he came in if it wasn't for the gibson punt return then who knows what that game would have been they would have been maybe zero and three so yeah this defense it shows, man, that your defense and your offense, one could turn on the other based on where they're at and how feel how they feel, you know, their plan with how good they are. The CJ Mosley's of the world, the Sauce Gardeners, you know, the Quentin Williams, all, all those guys are alphas, man. So they're, they've been playing hard. Now, the Dallas game, I thought they got picked apart a little bit. But, again, you got Zach Wilson. He ain't helping nobody. You look at their run game, it should be better. But everybody's keying in on Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook because they're like, Zach Wilson, he can't really hurt us. <laughs> we have complete faith in stopping Zach Wilson. So we're going to focus on this run game and see if he could beat us. And that hasn't been the case yet. So, you know, you've been around football for a long time, Chip. Have you seen any locker rooms have these type of situations to where the coach kind of starts to lose it based on how bad the quarterback's been? Yeah, man, this one is tough because it's uh, – there were such high hopes with Aaron Rodgers and there was such a trajectory of upward and onward and just promise – and then it just gets wiped out. And, and now you've got a coach trying to trying to keep a locker room together. I talk about all the time how hard it is to motivate millionaires in the NFL. And if they don't see a path to the playoffs, how difficult it can be to keep focus. Because the guys, I mean, they know they're going to get their paycheck on Tuesday, win or lose. So... Um, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if Robert Sala can hold this thing together. And I know they went and brought in Simeon, the former Northwestern quarterback, who's a journeyman that ain't going to get it done. That ain't it. That ain't it. So, (laughs) you know, it's, man, it's brutal. It's brutal. And there's been ramblings around, like, should they go after Kirk Cousins since the Vikings are sitting 0-3 and everybody's kind of giving up on him? I don't know. Are you that desperate? Do you think you're that good of a team overall to bring in, you know, Kirko, Kirko Cousins to come save the day? I I don't know. Now, Kirk Cousins, even though they're 0-3, he still leads the league in uh, touchdowns. So it's not like he's playing bad. I've seen a couple of times Justin Jefferson against uh, Philadelphia and um, 
another one of their players just fumbling right before they get in the end zone, like right there and just fumbling the ball, whether it's a turnover or a touchback and all the blame goes to Kurt just because folks don't like him. Even if you watch the Netflix special quarterback, folks still don't like him because people call him the white Dak Prescott. I know people call Dak Prescott the um, black Kirk Cousins and stuff. <laughs> but oh. you know, it's cold-blooded. It's cold-blooded game out here. But, yeah, I could he – if they were to trade for him, could he get the playbook? in time or could they simplify it enough to where he could thrive and throw it to guys like Lazard and Garrett Wilson and just spread it out kind of like you know he's doing in Minnesota but as much as I love Garrett Wilson he ain't Justin Jefferson yet like Justin Jefferson's always open I don't know how because when it comes to the game plan it's to stop him but that dude is always open he's on my fantasy team I'm three and no a big reason because Justin Jefferson is getting me some serious points. So that's, that's going to be a little different for Kirko. Like, are you going to be able to adjust to wide receivers as good as Garrett Wilson is? He's not that dude that's from the boot. So I don't know if they should do that, but yeah, I Robert Sala, man, like I like him. He has a little bit of meathead in him, but I like him watching hard knocks and stuff and what he brings to the table. Like I like him a lot. I do not want him to struggle or just, you know, get fired or be put in this situation, but Hey, it's the NFL. Like you got to make adjustments and, you know, Bill Belichick, he's one of the most cold blooded coaches of all time. You think he has feelings? No, we're going to bring in the next guy. Hell they had Tom Brady and they were drafting quarterbacks every year. Every year they were drafting quarterbacks. I don't care about your feelings, dog. It's about winning around here. So if Robert Sala's out here coddling, having his arm around Zach Wilson and stuff like that, and they're eating dinner together and stuff, and the team sees that, when Zach Wilson's out there performing like this, then, yo, I get it. I get why this defense and a lot of these teammates for the New York Jets are disgruntled. And, hey, they're going to have to make some moves soon because – it's already week four. Like those first three weeks, they flew by. So you're kind of already figuring out who's good, who's not, who's for real, who ain't. And if the Jets, as good as their defense is, they continue to ride the Zach Wilson train, then they're going to blow this season with all that depth on that roster. They're going to absolutely blow it, and that's unfortunate. They got Kansas City up next. Woo! See, that's and yeah, yeah, that's a big reason why you're pissed off because you got to see number 15 on that other side and how good he is. And he's going to dissect you no matter how good your defense is. He's just going to pick you apart. And then you got Zach Wilson trying to double up and trying to bring his own, you know, whatever to the table. And after the, good. after the Chiefs, you got the. Nathaniel Hackett Bowl. Ooh. The Jets go out to Denver. Yeah. I hope Sean Payton's ripping the bong right now because he needs some stress free in his life. Because that dude, man, life is rough up there in Colorado, especially with the love Dion's getting and the lack of love that you're getting being 0-3. Ooh, Sean Payton. That's not looking too good, man. It's not looking too good. And that just shows, like, 
as good as these coaches are and as good as a reputation that they have, Chip, Sean Payton still had Drew Brees. Like, come on. I get him and Drew Brees were clicking on all cylinders and their relationship was tight, but Drew Brees has the most passing yards in NFL history. He's a dude. So he covers up a lot of mistakes for some of these coaches. Bill Belichick, as good as he is, that dude had Brady. You know, Joe Walsh, as good as he was, that dude had Joe Montana. (laughs) Like, Bill Walsh, excuse me. Like, it's just, if you're a good coach, you have good players. So... I don't know, man. It's <laughs> uh, Sean Payton. Hey, Seventy this points. week, grief. Denver and Chicago, two zero and three teams going at it in a pillow fight. Yeah, um, man. If I Denver mean, doesn't get that win with Russell Wilson, and they ain't gonna win any games because Chicago's imploding. Yeah, like Justin Fields is pointing fingers at the coaches. That it's that oh the Bears. Yeah, you Rush got coaches getting Bears. raided and stuff. Come on, man. Oh, raided the crib. It's not a good look over there at Shaw Town. Woo! All right. Well, listen. It's time for us to bring in the fire the cannon team. We'll hand it off. Woo! Come on. Ladies. What's going on, y'all? Oh, muted. Oh, you're muted. Yep. We got there it. we are. Fixed got it. it. <laughs> Hello. I enjoyed your conversation with James Brown today. I remember when you used to have him in the mornings and he would explain how he had added St. Brown to the name. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now seeing you know his sons all over the place, it's pretty amazing. I've come a long way. John Brown is a character, and he will be on the NFL Network Friday night at 6 o'clock. So, uh if anyone I wants do believe to. in giving your children water, but <laughs> yeah, how about yeah, that? He, he complains about his kids, like, how is my son dehydrated? And he's like, Well, we didn't give him water when I was training. <laughs> I was like, John, that sounds a little contradicting, but hey, you're Mr. World, Mr. You Universe. know, he's got the five stars in the he's got the five stars in the NFL. So I yeah, guess something's know, right. Yeah. Well, and happy, happy birthday, birthday, Rocky. Happy Thank birthday, you. Rocky. You like, you like my decorations? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. We're, we're celebrating all day for sure. Yeah, it's it is. It's been a good morning so far. <laughs> good, it's well, going into a good afternoon. Y'all have a great show. We'll hand Thank it you. off. Have some fun. Thank you. We appreciate it, guys. Have a great afternoon, guys. All right. Thank you.